everyone, and welcome to the So Mindful podcast, where we dig into the tips and topics that will help you have great fun making clothes that make you feel fabulous. I'm your host, Jackie Blakemore of So Much More Fun, and I can't wait to share this week's illuminating episode with you. So let's roll the tape. Hello, my lovelies, and welcome to this week's episode of the So Mindful podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's great to be here chatting with you again. I'm in the process of lining up some fabulous guests for you, and you'll find out more about those in the coming weeks. But today, it's you and me, and I thought we could chat about a sewing topic for a change. I can see you smiling because I know that I often take you on eclectic tangents, but this week I wanted to go a bit more mainstream. In the Facebook group, there are a number of people that want to learn more advanced techniques. And for me, one of the things that elevated my dressmaking skills was learning about how to draft my own patterns. So in this week's episode, I wanted to share with you some of the basics around pattern drafting, the pros and cons, and what steps you can take if you want to get started in learning more. Learning about pattern drafting was one of the aspects that deepened my enjoyment of dressmaking. And whilst it can be challenging, I just find it really fascinating learning about how 2D paper pieces can become 3D garments. It all started when I was shown the magic of moving darts. And I'll try to do a video on that soon to share what I love about that. But that's where my fascination began. Now this is a podcast and pattern drafting is quite a visual thing to learn. So I'm not going to be able to teach you how to draft your own patterns in this medium. But what I can do is explain some of the terminology, some of the challenges, some of the benefits and some of the resources that might help you decide if this is something that you want to explore further. I ought to also say at this point that my experience with pattern drafting is predominantly from a home sewing perspective. and I don't have any professional experience of doing this for a living. So the advice and experiences that I can share are purely from that perspective. But I think that most of you listening would be in that similar situation. So what's pattern drafting? Well, it might be easiest to explain what the opposite of pattern drafting is. And that is to use patterns that you can either buy printed or as PDFs that have been designed and tested for a standard set of body measurements. If you didn't want to use a commercially available pattern or you can't find the styles that you want from the patterns available, then the alternative is to create your own using pattern drafting. This is how I got into drafting. I wanted to create some 50 style outfits at the time when I couldn't easily find the patterns and styles I wanted to make. I also wanted to make some pleated 50s style trousers for my boyfriend. And if you ever tried to make any menswear, you'll know that the patterns available are limited and quite hard to find. So I ended up at night school, which was actually on Saturday mornings, and my pattern drafting adventure began. I did end up by making some lovely trousers for my other half and some fit and flare dresses for myself. And if you listen to last week's podcast, I even ended up designing and making my first coat. So what is the process involved in pattern drafting? Well, you'll need some basic tools to get you started. You'll need to get some paper onto which you can draft your patterns. You can get this in packs if you're only just trying it out. Uh, But if you're going to do a lot of this, then I would recommend buying it on the roll. You can get it from quite a few of the sort of haberdasher suppliers. And it's much cheaper to buy when you're buying it in bulk. You can get paper that has dots and crosses on it, called dot and cross paper. And that will help you when you're trying to ensure that you get your lines square, which is quite key in pattern drafting. You want paper that's not too thick as you often need to trace through it. So around 50 GSM is quite a good weight to go for. 
It's common to use a pattern master, which is a plastic tool that includes a ruler and some curved edges to help you draw things like armholes and necklines. It does have a 90 degree angle on it too, which can be handy, although I now also have a separate set square, just because it's a bit bigger and it gives you a bit more space to work with. At college, it was drilled into us that you should use a 2H pencil for drafting, and if Carl's listening, then he'll be laughing about that. I have to confess that I'm not that disciplined at home, but I will leave that up to you. If you enjoy it and start to create more of your own patterns, then things like a notcher, an awl, and pattern hooks can also be really helpful. So once you've got your tools, what next? Well, the traditional and I think probably most common process is to decide on the measurements that you want to draft for. In the commercial sector, that would be a standard size. In home sewing, that would be your own measurements. And then to use these measurements to create basic blocks. So a block is your base template for a particular type of garment. So for example, you might create a bodice block, a skirt block, a trouser block, a sleeve block. You can then use these blocks to create different style variations and features. There are different approaches to creating these blocks. Some techniques create the blocks very close to the body measurements to create what's called a moulage, which is a French term that refers to a cast, or in this case, a skin-tight model of your body shape and size. However, the majority of techniques create blocks that include some kind of wearing ease. So in other words, enough to be able to get it on and move about. A moulage is literally like a kind of skin-tight version. And you may also hear these blocks with the wearing ease included, referred to as slopers. So a sloper is most commonly used to refer to the basic garment shape designed for your measurements with some ease included, but no seam allowances. So you might have a bodice sloper, a skirt sloper, a trouser sloper, and these are kind of just the basic version of those pattern pieces with no seam allowances made specifically for your measurements. But they do include wearing ease, so you may also have a second set of slopers for use with knit fabrics, as knit fabrics can be worn closer to the body. So wearing ease that's required will be less because you use the stretch of the fabric to allow for the movement. So you may also see that people have bodice slopers for knits and skirt slopers for knits, that kind of thing. You might be wondering why they have no seam allowance. Well, this is because you're going to use these as the basis for your different garment designs. And to do that, you'll need to make adjustments and make changes to your basic blocks. This is best done when you have no seam allowances so that they don't get in the way. And once you've finished making your design modifications, you can sense check that all of the seams match up and all the different lengths match up for where your stitch lines are going to be. And then you can add your seam allowances as one of the last steps. It's just easier to check that the pattern pieces will fit together accurately where they're going to need to be stitched. So how do you create these blocks or slopers? Well, the method that I was taught was to use a pattern drafting book. The one that I use most often um, and that I started with is the Winifred Aldrich's Metric Pattern Cutting for Women's Wear. That's not very easy to say, as it turns out. She also has books for men's wear and children's wear. In Winifred's book, she actually describes how to create blocks with different amounts of ease. For example, close-fitting bodice block, an easy-fitting bodice block, and a classic coat block. There are many more, but these three examples are all for the bodice area, but have different amounts of ease built in. Using her method, you take your measurements, and you need to do a few more measurements than you would to just choose your size for a commercial pattern. And these tend to include more length measurements than you would typically use if you were just using a commercial pattern. 
So for example, for the bodice block, you would need the bust measurement, the nape to waist measurement, which is at the back, the waist to hip measurement, the arm side depth, which is like the length of your armhole, the neck size, your shoulder length, your back width, which is the distance between your kind of two arms across your back, a dart size, which there is a lookup table in Winifred's book for that, and then the chest measurement, which is kind of like between the arms across the front. Using these measurements, she guides you through a step-by-step process to create almost a dot-to-dot picture to create your block. Each key position on the block is numbered and the instructions tell you how to work out the spacing between these numbered positions. You then join up the dots and hey presto, you've created your block. Make it sound easy, don't I? Well, that leads me nicely into talking about some of the cons of making your own patterns. So the first is that for all this work, you need to be able to take quite accurate measurements, but it can sometimes be difficult to know exactly where the start and end points for these measurements need to be. For example, many pattern drafting books require a cross front measurement or a chest measurement, which is the measurement across the front of the body between the armholes. Sounds simple, right? But I don't really have a clear line drawn on my body where my arm ends and my chest begins. And so there's a tolerance as to where I take that measurement. And that's just one of the measurements of several that may have a tolerance, which means it's quite difficult to get the right values consistently. The second is that even when you get that measurement, and you may need to have a friend for some of the measurements, like the cross back, for example, the first time that you follow the drafting instructions, you're likely to find it as a bit confusing. You need a calculator because for some of the points, you need to divide your measurements by two or four. And there are lots of points on the bodies block, for example. In Winifred's blocks, there are 34 points to find and plot. And in Chinello Bailey's method, there are 28 steps to create her version of a bodice block. But if you get through all of that and create your first draft of your first block, you now have to test it. This means tracing it off because you don't want to destroy what you've just done. And then add your seam allowances and then create a toile or a mock-up. If you're a person with a B-cut bra, great posture and standard proportions, then it's likely this will be a reasonably good fit to get you started. If you're not, then it's likely you'll still need to make some adjustments. Depending on how well you manage to take your initial measurements and how far you are from these standard proportions and posture will determine how big or small your measurements and adjustments need to be. It's common to have to make five twirls during this phase, or even more, to test and refine your pattern block. But the idea is that once you've done that, you have something that you know fits from which you can create your different designs. As with any dressmaking project, making fitting adjustments can be challenging, especially if, like me, you do a lot of sewing and fitting alone. So you're now at the stage where you have your basic block, for example, your bodice block. You're ready to make your own fabulous garments, right? Well, not quite. The blocks are basic shapes of the garment, but you will want to add your own design details and style details. If you have a design in mind, then now is the time to translate that into your block. This might mean changing the necklines, adding style lines, moving dart positions, changing sleeve shapes, adding fullness, making it asymmetrical, making it strappy or strapless, adding closures like button bands or plackets. You'll need to map all of these changes onto a copy of your pattern block to create the necessary pattern pieces. If you want to line your garment, you'll also need to create any corresponding lining pieces too. Each piece will then need to be marked up with descriptions, cutting instructions, notches to help when you're assembling the garment, grain lines so that you can cut it out, 
position markings for things like pockets and seam and hem allowances so that you can join them all together. So just to give you an insight as to how the number of pattern pieces can spiral. For one of my college projects, I had to create a coat. For the coat, it had a hood. It was a split top and bottom, so you could take the bottom part off. And it had a number of pockets, sleeves, lining, those kind of things. To create all of the pattern pieces for that particular project, I think there were 22 pattern pieces altogether for the various different facings and lining pieces and pocket pieces, hood pieces, sleeve pieces and so on. So just imagine that takes quite a long time creating all of those from scratch and then marking them up and adding all of your seam allowances and so on. So it's no small undertaking. But the jacket that I made out of it was unique and it was definitely, I I absolutely loved the design, which was all my own work. So it's super rewarding if you're going to put the time and effort into doing that. But just to be clear, sometimes some of these projects can get a bit more involved as your creativity runs away with you. Each time you create a design variation, it's also good practice to test that out. And that may also require further tweaking. And for me, the final con is that your pattern doesn't come with any instructions. You'll need to decide what order you're going to assemble your pieces to make your garment. And you'll need to test out sections if you're adding new design details. This is where experience of using commercial patterns can really help. If you've made a similar garment from a commercial pattern, then it's likely that you can follow the same or similar order of construction for your own design. But there may be specific areas of your design that you want to practice or sample. For example, when I made my coat for college, I wanted to use exposed zips for the pockets, which were also set into inset panels. I had to practice what order I needed to construct them to get the finish that I wanted to achieve, and it took a couple of different iterations to get that right. Now, I haven't gone into details on all of these steps, but hopefully you have a sense of what's involved, and you might be thinking, gosh, that sounds like a lot, why bother? I'm not presenting these cons to put you off but more to make you aware of what to expect so that you can start this adventure with the right mindset and expectations. I also want to use this as an opportunity to big up the commercial pattern companies and in particular the indie pattern brands who are designing, creating and testing their patterns for not just one but many sizes and in many cases several style variations. They are creating all the pattern pieces, all the instructions, doing all the markings, all of which takes time and effort. And whilst we may need to make some adjustments for our own body shapes, they have done a lot of the heavy lifting for us. And so if you ever think that a pattern is expensive or that it seems like a lot of money, I would honestly encourage you to try drafting your own because it is a lot harder work than you might think. My own experience of pattern drafting is that I've struggled to get a bodice block that I'm happy with. I've tried different methods, I've done training sessions online and in person, and learnt from books and it still remains on my list to achieve. With the learning I've gained in the last couple of years around making fitting adjustments to commercial patterns, I'm probably ready to give it another try as I think I understand now that the block drafting instructions don't really cater for some body and postural adjustments. So I think I would look to make these as a second step and this may have been what I was missing when I tried it the first times round. But where pattern drafting really has helped me is that it's given me the understanding of how to modify patterns to make style and design changes. So I use it less to create patterns from scratch and more to create design changes and enhancements, such as moving dart positions, adding sleeves, changing sleeve shapes, adding collars, adding yokes or pockets or other features. 
To me, this is a win-win because I get to appreciate the hard work done by the pattern designers, make my fitting adjustments and add my own style and personality to my finished garments. So if I haven't put you off, I guess your next question is, how can you get started? Well, there's a lot of books on the topic. If you want to just practice modifying a base pattern, which is a great way to get started, then there are books like Gertie Sew's Vintage Casual, for example, where she provides some pattern pieces with some basic styles, but also instructions on how to hack those pieces to get different styles. If you want to draft basic blocks, then the books I have used are Winifred Aldrich's book and also Chinello Bailey's Freehand Fashion where she explains how to mark your pattern or your size measurements directly onto your fabric. There are lots of others out there, so googling pattern drafting books will give you a wide range to choose from. They do vary in style and approach, and I would say that Winifred's books, whilst they are a little bit dated, are fairly consistent. But one of the things that they do all uh, follow is that they make certain assumptions about body shape and proportion, and therefore they all kind of are slightly flawed in that respect. So you, it is likely whichever style or version that you follow, you will have to do some kind of fitting adjustments after you've followed the instructions. So don't be put off or surprised by that. In Winifred's series, she also offers books on menswear and children's wear. And I think these are great places to start to get some basic design shapes and just to start you off with some different variations. And in the women's wear book, she includes not only the bodice blocks, but loads of different approaches to creating collars and different sleeves and different combinations and how to adjust these blocks to give you different results in terms of the different shapes of garments. For example, jackets or coats or other variations. So you do get a lot for your money within the book, but they are a little bit more expensive, these kind of books, because they're a bit more like a textbook than a fiction book, I guess. If you have tried pattern drafting and want something a bit more advanced, then I really love the Pattern Magic series by Tomoko Nakamichi. These books are like works of art. These beautiful Japanese designs cover how to sculpt with fabric, creating beautiful shapes, waves and accents. And I think they are just stunning. They do take a bit of getting used to and they are fairly complicated but they're definitely worth it. If you want to try and create something unique, I would highly recommend giving those a go. I think there's three books in the series. If you don't want to learn from a book, then there are online courses as well. My favourite of these is the series by Susie Fur of Apparel Arts. I also love Alexandra of In-House Patterns, who has courses on bodice blocks on her website. Both of these ladies have a lovely approach and they guide you through step by step. Susie Fur's series I found on Craftsy. She has a number of courses on there that cover all kinds of different things from the basic bodice blocks right through to how to shape different necklines, how to create different types of sleeve, you know, all sorts of stuff on there. So definitely worth exploring. If you don't fancy drafting your own slopers, then you can get slopers made for you. I haven't done that myself, so I can't attest to how good they are, but you can definitely give it a try. I follow So Made For Me on Instagram who provides this service and she has some lovely stuff on her Instagram profile so I'll put a link to that and you can definitely check that out. I love modifying patterns and so I'm planning to share some examples on Facebook Live. These sessions as always will be recorded and made available on the website. So keep an eye out for those and if there's any particular types of styles or hacks that you'd like to see then be sure to email me and let me know. I already have several requests, so I have some requests from Ali about how to add sleeves to a sleeveless garment, 
adding collars and creating bell-shaped sleeves from standard sleeve patterns. I also did some work with my friend Carl on how to create a split sleeve from a standard sleeve pattern. So these are all great things that I want to share with you about what my approach would be to creating these kind of hacks to existing garments. So hopefully that's given you a sense of what might be involved in pattern drafting, some of the terms, some of the process, some of the tools. I'll put links to all of the books and websites and other resources in the show notes. But hopefully this has given you a basic introduction to the concept of pattern drafting and piqued your interest enough that you might want to find out more. If you do already draft your own patterns, I'd love to know if you have any tips or experiences that you'd like to share. And as always, if you want to give me any feedback on this episode, then feel free to email me and all the details of that will be at the end of the show. So that's it for this week. A little sewing topic just to keep us occupied. And I look forward to catching up with you all again soon. Bye for now. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Check out the show notes in the description area of your podcast app and click to follow or subscribe or head over to sewmindful.com forward slash podcast, which is S-E-W-M-I-N-D-F-U-L dot com, where you can also sign up for an email reminder so that you don't miss out on any juicy episodes. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, then please help others find us by leaving a review if you love this episode. And I'm always excited to find out what you got from the episode and how you plan to use the tips. And finally, if you have a question, feedback or a topic you'd like me to investigate, then you can also email me at hello at sowmuchmorefun.co.uk. So until next time, stay gorgeous and have so much more fun.